All right, welcome back to Vernacular Podcast. We have a sort of throwback episode today, and it's sort of a throwback in two ways. One is that we are talking about books, so I'm thinking of our book club series that we did now two years ago, I think. Man. Yeah. And the second reason why it's a throwback episode is because we're bringing on a previous guest. So if you go back even before our book club series uh, to June 4th, 2016, we released an episode then that featured... Our guest tonight, and that is Teresa Breslin. If you want to go to list, go listen to that episode, like I said, June 4th, 2016, it's called The One Where We Talk About London, A Baby, and Leaving a Law Firm to Be a Mom. And the person who left the law firm to be a mom is none other than Teresa, who's joining us today to talk about J.K. Rowling, a.k.a. Robert Galbraith's four-part Corman Strike series. There are four, four published books. Nine. Five is on, number five is on the way. There are apparently going to be nine. We'll talk about all that. But in the meantime, Teresa, welcome back to Vernacular. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks, guys. I can't believe it was 2016. I know. It's been too long. (laughs) And then I know I was like a lightning round guest. That's right. Yes. A little while after that, that was probably still 2016. Anyway, it's been too long. I'm glad to be back. (laughs) Happy to have you back. And we're going to talk about Robert Galbraith series. Sally is the subject matter expert on the Robert Galbraith <laughs> no, series. No. She, there are no experts she here. She was the first one to find them, I think, of the three of us. I know she at least introduced me to them, and uh, they're pretty good. But and there's then a lot I found to talk out, about. Yeah, and then I found out that Teresa loved them as much as we do, and mm-hmm. we decided that as soon as we all finished the fourth one, we would talk about it. So let's talk about, first of all, what it is. So I'll just set the stage this way and then give it to you, Sally, but... J.K. Rowling wrote the Harry Potter series. She's probably the most recognizable literature name, modern literature name, period, bar none, because everyone knows who Harry Potter is, and most people have read those books. But she wanted to do something a little bit different and totally kind of separate herself and her literary persona from that series to make a new detective series. And she did that by making a pen name, the pen name of Robert Galbraith. And I guess at the time that she wrote the first one, when it initially came out, no one knew that she was Robert Galbraith. Right. That's and my understanding as well. at some point between the first just, and the second book, it was revealed. She said she was, yeah. yeah. So they, it still says Robert Galbraith on the books, right? Right. But if you look at the back jacket, now it says... Now it says, AKA... Wrote, yeah, now it says, uh, Robert Galbraith is the pen name of J.K. Rowling. <laughs> so it's, it's not really a very well-kept secret, anymore, yeah. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> So there's four books out so far, as Zach said, and um, we we read all of them. The first one is Cuckoo's Calling, and that came out, I think, in 2016, maybe before then. Then Silkworm, and the third one is Career of Evil, and the fourth one that just came out early, late last year in the fall is Lethal White, and that's the by far the longest of the four of them. And, and I don't want to spend time telling you about the plots because... I want to do this episode in such a way so that if these books sound interesting to you, you can go read them and we won't spoil conclusions or answers for you. So um, let's not do that, Sally and Teresa, as we talk about okay, these. Yeah. Let's not spoil anything, but let's talk kind I'll of try. about... Yeah, I know. <laughs> if you have to spoil something, just, just issue a disclaimer so people can skip ahead 15 seconds. But um, let's just sort of step back and talk about some meta questions about the series and about... Uh, Rowling's writing style, maybe as it compares to Harry Potter. I'm not a Harry Potter guy, but Sally, I know you are. And uh, Teresa, are you a Harry Potter person? 
Um, I was a huge Potterhead, but okay. I haven't. I've been, I've never like reread them. As oh yeah, adult. me neither. It's been. But a while. I think the last book came out when I was like in college, when I was like a teenager. Okay, I've never so. read them, but I plan to. I, I my thinking on it has been. Okay, I'm, I'm sure they're great. I should read them, but I'll just wait till I can read them as read-alouds to my kids. So that's, that's yes, you're closer to that wait. then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It'll be so fun. Okay. Well, let's talk about- so Yeah, big picture. Yeah. So Sally, you also have read lots of detective books from a certain Dorothy Sayers. Yes. Yeah. I do love detective crime fiction. And Dorothy Sayers, she wrote in the 1930s and 40s and- 50s, I think. Uh, but she had a definition for what makes a detective series. She said that if it is a true detective series, then the author gives you all the information that you need to know to solve the mystery. And if it's not, then there's some sort of like hidden knowledge that only the detective has. Um, and if that's the case, kind of like a Sherlock Holmes novel, you the the reader will not be able to solve it without that secret knowledge that right. Sherlock Holmes has. So I was wondering if you think that J.K. Rowling's crime fiction series with Cormoran Strike, whether that fits the her definition of a true detective series or not, and whether that's a pro or a con, or I don't even know if we can fully answer that question. So just to parse out her definition a little bit more, it sounds like Dorothy Sayers says it's a mystery novel if you are just watching a mystery unfold and you learn the conclusion at the end the, the book is a literary device that you that you need to solve the mystery, whereas a detective book is one that invites you to be the detective, be the detective or, or, or to yeah. do the detective work along with the central protagonist. Yeah. Okay. So where is Galbraith along that scale? So I wasn't sure when I was reading them if it was just it was if it's me or her. So I've yet to solve the mystery before the end of any of her books yet. And I don't know, Teresa, have you solved any of them before she kind of reveals no, it? No, never. But, you know, I I try not to read them too analytically and too closely yeah. because I just get really <clears throat> hung up on, you know, every single sentence. So it took me a long time to kind of break that habit since law school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just enjoy this the story. The, the story and where the author wants to lead you. So yeah, I, I stopped trying to read so closely and I found that, Hey, I can read a lot more books this way. Right. I enjoy a lot more books this way. So yeah, I've never figured it out. And I don't know if that's just me. Or I do if it's think even that, possible. Yeah. I do think that sometimes, um, there's like a hidden, a hidden clue or just something that, um, strike has put together before anyone else. I think she's used that. And at least I remember the, um, career of evil book, the third one. Didn't he know something that nobody else knew? I think so. Yeah. Because there were those four, there were four suspects and, um, and I, I mean, I definitely don't know how he kind of narrowed it down to, to the fourth, um, yes. or to one of the four. And I definitely felt that way in lethal white. I remember there was one, turn in in the plot where strike kind of I think he even said something to Robin but it wasn't written down and so it was literally a hidden piece of knowledge that was not, we were not privy to and somehow that ha helped him to solve the mystery so yeah and and he kind of teases Robin with it like come on can't you figure it out that's right Have that's you put right it together yet yeah that's a like good point that, that's kind of like 
you know, the author teasing the reader a little bit, but I don't know. I've never been able to figure it out before actually reading the ending. Yeah. And I guess, uh, for, for me at least, I, that doesn't bother me. I think that's, I enjoy kind of being taken along for the ride. And since I exactly. like the two main characters, you know, that's, it's a very enjoyable ride all the way through, you know, even 700 pages. <laughs> yes. Many, many pages. Okay. So what do you think that she does really well as an author and what, what does she maybe need to work on? <laughs> Everyone agrees that the character development is so well done. Um, because between Cormoran and Robin, as you know, um, they're just relationship and um, how it all plays out. I'm trying not to give spoilers, so I'm trying to speak right. really carefully. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess But that is one of the most – I mean, that is kind of – that has moved me along the books um, more strongly than the actual mystery that yes. they're trying to solve sometimes. I was just saying this to Zach. Yeah. I think with Lethal White, so I guess for listeners who haven't read this yet, Cormoran Strike is the inspector, the private investigator who's doing the mystery solving. And Robin at first is just his secretary and then becomes his sidekick. And she's there throughout the whole thing as well. And um, I was just telling Zach this, yeah, with Lethal White, I felt as though the mystery to solve was so convoluted and I got confused by all the various strands of information that were being woven together, but it it almost didn't matter because I was just pulled along by the characters. Both those main characters, Corman and Robin, and even the minor, you know, the secondary characters, I was interested to find out about them as well. Yes, I agree. Um, and especially just the whole... With the fourth book, they were kind of in a, of a different world. They came from wealth, and it was just like, well, I think even in the first book, the first book and the fourth book, she did a really great job of just like painting this picture of like kind of wealthy, elite English people. Right, <laughs> and yeah. like their their class. and Kind like, of a different world. Know, yeah, just like setting up that whole world. Um, so that was interesting in terms of character development and um, just how they operate and deal with each other. Yeah, yeah. So character development, definitely she's excellent at that. And we know that from Harry Potter. I think um, the pacing of the books, I think she's done better and worse jobs with the actual pacing of just like how the plot unfolds. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think in the first one, it started off a little bit slow, but that was, I mean, it was the first book of the whole series. So I guess most first books start off a little bit slow, but I felt like mm -hmm. it moved pretty quickly from there on out. But I guess I think that, I mean, almost from then on two, three, and four, I felt like they just kind of got a little bit longer, a little bit slower. Not that I didn't enjoy them, but I, there are some, I, I don't want to take, I don't know, maybe shears to the book and like chop out a bunch of it, but I kind of want to take like little tiny nail clippers and like chop out a little bit of it as we go along. Um, yeah. I mean, this silkworm book I think was my least favorite. I just felt like for a lot of it, she's trying to throw out some red herrings, some little trails for the reader to go down to suspect other people. And of course, like that's important if you're trying to write detective series and like get suspicious of different characters but right. also like at the same time it's like oh 
I didn't need to read all that or, you know, um, like, yeah, and I you know, this- why was that there? Especially when the books are getting longer and longer. Right. Yeah. And I, in career of evil, while the content was very interesting, this is book three. While it was, it was very, it was fascinating and engaging. I didn't think we needed that many suspects. I mentioned earlier that there were four different suspects and right. it just seemed like we could have taken out one of them and it would have been an even better book. And I would have been mm-hmm. able to keep track of them a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I already mentioned with lethal white that that one was the longest one by far and it definitely could have been kind of cleaned up a little bit. It just seemed to drag on a little bit too long. Uh, and, and it just could have been, um, edited maybe a little bit, but I did read in an article in an interview with her that she said she was writing a screenplay, I think, and maybe a a play at the same time. So maybe (laughs) she just had too much on her plate to edit. (laughs) I don't know. It was still a page turner. It was. No, I agree. I mean, I, I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel bored necessarily, but it, it did feel kind of like, I don't know, some parts felt a little drawn out. I had family in town um, when I read that and I felt kind of bad because I was like, I have to finish this book. I'm sorry. Like, excuse me while I steal a few pages because now I read it on my Kindle and I can get it on my phone. I can pull it up on my phone. So you're like, you could read it at it any moment. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, oh, just scrolling on my phone. Don't mind me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> deep into the book. Um, well, you already said that Silkworm was your least favorite. I yeah. completely agree. And mm-hmm. um, Zach had to step out for a child, but he completely agrees as well. And I'm not sure what it, I don't, I think. Almost unanimously, I've heard from people that they liked Silkworm the least. And for me, mm-hmm. I just didn't care about any of the other minor characters. I was intrigued enough with Cormoran and Robin's story from book number one. But the other authors, because it's kind of a almost a satire of British literary society because you're uh, they're investigating all these different authors. I wasn't compelled by any of them. I didn't really care about any of them. I agree. It was just... Um, well, the, the subject matter of Silkworm, it was kind of – it was more of like the creepy sort of um, – Grotesque? Grotesque is the perfect word. It was like the grotesque one with all these um, just like artsy writers and quirky characters. And um, yeah, like I wanted to get to the end to find – like the who done it, but I was definitely more pulled along by Strike and Robin right. <laughs> and what was going on between them. Um, and I also, when I read Silkworm, I think Career of Evil was already out. I think I read the first three books together. Um, yeah, that's what I did. So, yeah, so I was like, oh, just get me through this one. And I'll get <laughs> to the next one. Right. And yeah, I really enjoyed Career of Evil. So, um, I would have trouble identifying my favorite out of one, three, and four, probably between one and three. Um, but Silkworm was definitely the um, the least fave. Yeah, I totally agree with that. For me, Silkworm was grotesque, like like you guys said, and mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I found I found that Silkworm to me seemed like it didn't belong in the same universe as the rest yeah genre because it it felt like a weird mashup between like i don't know uh surrealist horror and mystery it was very strange i didn't like it so cuckoo's calling i thought was really good 
Um, but my favorite, I think, was Career of Evil because something the thing that she did in Career of Evil that I really liked was the bouncing back and forth between Cormoran slash Robin's perspective and the mind of the killer. And I thought that was cool. And I, th- I think she did it really effectively, too. And the whole time you were just wondering, who is this person? And yeah. there was not the big reveal until the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that gave it a really good tempo, too. Just like it went quick, going back and forth. Um, and I also just found that, like, the um, the sort of content of it, um, the issues that she went through, like, you know, there was, like, drugs and um, rape and there's a lot of grotesque stuff as well, but it was kind of, it seemed more real life so that, I don't know. I just thought it was more. Right. It wasn't surreal. Like Silkworm was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Totally agree. And very, um, gripping. And I, I will say that, I mean, like, like you, Teresa, I sort of think of Silkworm, the Silkworm as a different, it's not quite in the same genre as these other three, but I, Mm -hmm. I will also just add that Lethal White I just found to be a little bit too much. I mean, I think it's the biggest of the four books. It's just a book that's way too large. Um, I read it on a Kindle, but Sally, you got it from the library. And it's it's a big, thick, yeah. like almost dictionary-level <laughs> thickness book. I had and, to like prop it up because I was reading it while nursing an infant. And so I had to like prop it up somehow because I couldn't hold it. <laughs> right. And it's just it just takes so long to develop the plot. And then the reveal takes a long time too and to be honest I don't find the central mystery that compelling either I I felt like it was more a letdown when you found I totally out agree. The, yeah. what what it actually was no spoilers of course right right <laughs> but yeah I felt the same way whereas career of evil it was like ah and and uh, uh cuckoo's calling it was like this is what I wanted well I wonder if it's more the historical element to lethal white that mm. a lot of what you're what is being investigated is history right and so maybe in that sense, it didn't feel quite as gripping because it wasn't it wasn't ongoing in the same sense. Right. I can see that. Yeah. And then you look at the motives, you know, and then the lethal white one is just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, Not as compelling. Okay. <laughs> it's just like less of, it's just less, um, I don't know. Well, I have a question for you guys. So in, I think the, final question we should wrap up on is what do we want to see in future books and are we going to keep reading is that agreed is everyone going to keep reading? i mean i will definitely keep reading it at least one more i mean i i think i i never commit to a series but i commit to one book at a time so I'm, i'll read the next one for sure <laughs> i'm definitely reading the next one and that reminds me i think one of the reasons i loved the third book the most was the cliffhanger at the end of the third book yes it was yes. like yeah but then you had to wait and two years for the <laughs> to get that revealed. you know exactly but um well let's talk yeah. about that a little bit i don't want to give any spoilers but um just as far as the relationship between those two central characters go like do you guys think that if there are really nine books in this series rolling runs the risk of it becoming a little bit like soap opera-y because already you know, in the first book, I appreciated the tension between Strike and Robin. And now I'm just, I just sort of want it to like, I don't know, to, to reach its natural conclusion mm-hmm. or to, you know, I don't know. And I are, I just feel like we're not even halfway into the series and I'm already kind of like, okay, let's, let's move along here. Let's, let's like, well, it, it I don't know. It's just, it's just like the, of, um, 
Jim and Pam. Yeah, I was <laughs> from the office. How long the ups did and that downs. Drag That's on? true. That's a good well, point. Well, I was gonna say I was gonna say it's more like seasons. um I don't know it's more like a How I Met Your Mother or like Friends. Um, yeah. Uh, Ross and Rachel. Oh, it's like it's yeah, like the yeah. the will they won't they like constantly, and it just yes. kind of mm-hmm. over time it gets a little old. I think like now one's occupied, and now the other one's occupied, right. and right. they're never available at the same time. And so I don't know. Do you guys think am I? Am I thinking too much of this is, or is she running this risk? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think as soon as you mentioned all of those TV shows that I was happy to, you know, watch entertain, <laughs> and enjoy, yeah, yeah to, to just like entertain the possibility for season after season. I'm sure I can do that for five more books. <laughs> okay. Fair. <laughs> Same. <laughs> all right. Well, what do you guys want to see in future books? So if, if you're not concerned about that relationship, what, what would you like to see happen? So I guess I'm not sure. What I, I want, I, I mean, I want to see Cormoran continue su- to succeed as a private investigator. I'm, I guess I'm a little concerned that it will feel uh, more and more contrived as he's kind of dropped into all of these high stakes investigations and maybe in a big city like London, that's more conceivable. Well, and I think also since he's already a high profile guy, the son of a rock star, right? The, the illegitimate son, no less. So there's... There's a little bit of notoriety that comes with that. And the fact that he's successfully solved the Lulu Landry case in the first book. And the Shacklewell yeah, River. Yeah, he's just a high-profile private eye. So I think it's I think it's at least like reasonable to think that he would keep having these high-profile cases come to him. Find him. Yeah. Yeah, because I had read another de- detective mystery author, uh, Tana French. She had said that she was concerned about that happening to in her case in, with her series. And so she chooses a different detective to be the lead investigator in each of her books so that it, it always, it never feels contrived. Mm-hmm. So far it hasn't, but I just worry that it'll just kind of get, oh, there's Cormoran again. And then <laughs> one thing that you had mentioned, Zach, earlier today was uh, how many times is Cormoran going to injure himself? Yeah, just like twist his <laughs> knee. He already time. has this old uh, military injury from his days in the British Army. Right. And it does kind of, it, it does get a little bit old that that's like always his uh, Achilles heel, so to speak. Yeah, I'm just wondering how, 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 how many more times we're going to, to read about we're going to read about Cormoran's aching stump. <laughs> like that, I feel like that turn of phrase shows up at least 20 times in every book. Not to make light of it, but yes. Yeah. But I guess he, that is his I guess thing. I am making light that's of it. That's his thing, I, right? I don't mean to be insensitive, but it's. I think it's more just like that specific phrase that keeps coming up where I'm just like, isn't there a better way to describe what's happening here? Or <laughs> I don't know, like we all- I don't know, is you know, there? I don't know, maybe not, maybe not. Or maybe he can have a better- or maybe there, he'll have other uh, struggles that he'll have to overcome besides just his physical ones. I don't know. Well, I mean, he has had other struggles, lots of other struggles that she's talked about. But um, I don't know. I like I like that the lead character has a physical disability. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of see it through his eyes. It's very eye opening. Um, I don't know. I, I find that really interesting. But yeah, it is. Um, it is used a lot as a tool to kind of like plot twists. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, or to just oh, increase tension. He, yeah, what what's gonna yeah, happen? He, tension. He's yes, in the hospital. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
like, oh, he was just about to grab the killer and fell into a ditch. (laughs) Or like he was tailing this guy and was about to see his face, but then like tripped and fell on his face. Right, right. I'm pretty sure that happened in the last book. Right. Um, And I think it is is one thing. He's not superhuman. And I really appreciate that. He's just like a regular guy. I mean, not even a regular guy, but he's a human and he has these these uh, physical limitations. And when we talk about this on vernacular all the time, he has these physical limitations that prevent him from, from being perfect and from solving something really quickly. And it requires that he lean on other people, uh, mostly Robin, but in the fourth book, he actually hires some extra hands. So I, th- I think that's, that's great because that allows us to kind of uh, see ourselves in him or at least to feel for him and to feel like he's more, um, just you know another guy like us yeah like you know you have sympathy for him you feel sorry for him right um yeah yeah he just seems like a real life person the fact that he uh he he can be literally tripped up so easily yeah um I'm trying to think what do I want to see in future books I just really need to follow this Robin strike relationship (laughs) and wherever it takes us be disappointed time after time after time. (laughs) And that'll just keep us coming Um, back for more. Maybe that's her whole plan. I was thinking like, I don't know. What if like you were given the ending happy or sad? Like, would I feel better? (laughs) You know, would I feel, um, yeah. Do we just feel resolution there? I don't know. I just, I live for the tension. Right, right. I, I mean, that's it. The will they, won't they. Yeah, all these television shows continue season after it's season. It's true. No, you're right. You're right. Yep. All right, I well, I hear up. that. I'm very basic. Oh, I know. No, me too. Well, I hear that J.K. Rowling already has her fifth title figured out. So, and it is the book that she's writing now. I guess that and her next children's book. So hopefully within two years. I think just, to, just to throw this out there. With the Harry Potter series, it seemed like each book she wrote got successively longer. And I'm wondering if that will happen here. We have nine books. (laughs) We've already seen how long number four is. So by number nine, it's going to be like a three-part encyclopedic Or maybe enough people have complained about the length of Lethal White. Well, maybe it'll it'll be like Harry Potter. There'll be a part one and part two. She started having to do that. Yeah, maybe that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Ridiculous. Um, One can only hope. So there, one of the thought is I have not seen this, so I have no idea if it's good or not, but I think it's Showtime has a film adaptation of these books. And I don't know if they have all of them. I know at least, at least the cuckoo's calling, but that might be worth checking out for, for readers who want to see it on the screen. I don't know if it's any good. I have no idea. I don't know. I would love to see these made into major motion pictures because I think they could be pretty well done that way. But, uh, you know, maybe we could talk about casting next time. That'd be fun. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, thanks, Teresa. Thanks for coming on the show to chat with us about these. Thanks Hopefully, for having me. we'll be able to talk so about book five soon.